welcome everyone to the support group. There's coffee and donuts in the back. Please help yourselves. Magthar the Vial, would you like to start off the introductions? Nobody tells Magthar to. Magthar, you know the rules of the group. I am Magthar the Vial, ruler of the Nine Kingdoms and usurper of the throne of the good king, Roland. Hi, Hi Magthar. Magthar. Next. I am the Dark Lord, Rachel. I am a Dark Lord. I'm really upset that my parents gave me a girl's name, but more importantly, my big introduction at the last week's D&D table, it was, well, weak. You got to give your villain a proper introduction. Here's how. It's Scum and Villainy, introducing your villain this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Zapante, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hi, Magthar. Hi, Rachel. Scott. Coffee and donuts in the back. That was a weak introduction. That you wrote up. <laughs> I hate Bavarian cream. <laughs> this no week it's barbarian cream. Oh. That doesn't sound appetizing either, though, actually, when you think about it. <laughs> Just go with a jelly donut. We're back in the hive of scum and villainy. Yay! And we're talking about introducing your villain, right? Villains from mid-level baddies to your big bad. Well, the rules of introduction are pretty much the same. You've spent a lot of time working on your antagonists, so you've got to give them a proper introduction, don't you? Mm-hmm. But before we get into it, let's talk some ways you can support the DMD. You can support the Dungeon Masters Dojo in some very simple ways. Be patronizing, like Lou, and become a patron on Patreon and unlock exclusive patron content. Or if you're like Scott and long-term commitment is an issue, you can buy a Sasaki. Shop our merch page for DMD swag, or use our drive-through RPG affiliate link next time you shop drive-through RPG, or visit us on the web at the DungeonMastersDojo.com. There you'll find links to all the above. Don't forget to email us and say hello. Thanks for listening. So some of the ways that we can um, improve on this is make the introductions big, Scott. Right, it's got to be, got to be big. Not like, like what you wrote for Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it memorable. You know, it's just like, whoa. It's got to be like a share concert, right? His there introduction needs to be like a share concert. I do not want to see him in revealing pantyhose. I don't want to see myself in that either. Yeah. We, we got enough looking don't. at Scott in his spandex tights a few times. Mm, not bad. I burned those Speedos. <laughs> they Listen, if you go a few sizes too small, it kind of holds everything together nice and snug. All the jelly donuts? Yep. And if... <laughs> If you don't breathe, <laughs> you're good. Or sneeze, because that's, yeah. that's like an explosion. But now you're purple all over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's bring it back around, please. Yeah. yeah. Make their introduction big. It's got to be something that's going to stick with the players. Oh, yeah. Memorable. Got to be memorable. And it has to be immediately imposing. Yes. They got to like, oh, I don't want to mess with this guy. Or oh, we need to deal with this. You need to set the precedent right from the get-go. So how do you do that? 
we can say this is what you do, but how do how do you do that? I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is the burning town or city, and you catch a glimpse of this horned rider, you know, through the flames, and he's decimating this adventuring party. That's not you. And for a moment, as he's got the last one, you know, the badass kind of warrior, you know, he makes eye contact with a party as he takes his head off or runs them through or, or whatever have you, then they immediately know. There's no question, right? This is your bad guy. Right. He's bad. As long as they do something really bad, let the party witness it and then have him, even if he doesn't even acknowledge them, they need to acknowledge that that's the bad guy. You don't yes. necessarily have to have the bad guy acknowledge that they're there. Um, he may not even be aware that you're inconsequential right now. This yeah, is my this, this is my task, and my task is now complete, or or this is the next stage, and you may not even know they're there or care at this point because they haven't exerted themselves as a nuisance just yet. They may be beaten feet, right? They yeah. may be like, uh oh, you know, some shit's going down that's way beyond us. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to get out of here. I was never a huge game of thrones fan it was way too rapey for me i don't like that stuff but joffrey was a villain who was so hateable (laughs) you know you're like oh my god what an asshole that kind of asshole is really good for a villain right yep you we said before you know they should be relatable to some degree and i guess joffrey was to some degree relatable it's like okay you you give an adolescent boy absolute power they're gonna be a dick Right. I mean, adolescents are a bit challenging to begin with. Now you make <laughs> you make an adolescent boy that could have whatever he wants and still throws like tantrums and stuff in charge of everything. <laughs> yeah. You're you're gonna get yourself you're gonna get yourself a villain. And and he was such a jerk that you forgot it's like, okay, there was all this you know, first he's inbred, so he's probably got some some shit going on upstairs, <laughs> right? Because of the tight gene pool. All this authority is thrust upon him without him even being like brought up or reared to be, you know, a, a, a good king or what is a good king? What is a good leader? And his family was using him more, more as a pawn and simply lost control because, like you said, he's, he's an opinionated, hormone-driven teenager and he doesn't know what to do, how to do it, or why he's doing it, but he's going to do it because it seems cool. His, his introductions were usually big, but they weren't like big things. They were like big actions, mm-hmm. you know, from making Tyrion bring him his wine, the purple wedding, to putting his wife's father's head up on a pike so she could look at it every day. Not like big explosive things, but like big actions. Yes. To well, or, or even small actions with huge consequences. Yeah, that's what I was getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's neither, yeah it's just small actions with huge consequences. So it doesn't have to be that big, explosive on scene. It could be something like that, but the introduction's got to be, got to be big. I kind of feel like every time I saw Joffrey on the screen, there was something that is having big repercussions going on. Well, from your player character's point of view, they should be seeing the huge consequence and not necessarily to be the action that facilitated it. You know, they they might see that the whole town in a disarray and the city watch stopping everybody. All you see is women on the street. Where are all the men? Uh, we don't know yet. We haven't found out. But, you know, they're looking at your party 
everyone's looking at party puzzled because we're going to assume it's there. There's a, a a presence of the male in your group. Why are they walking the streets? Why aren't they with everyone else? They're seeing the consequence of that action, but not necessarily the action itself. And then, as stories always do, they've been amplified and added to and exaggerated. And now they're hearing these stories of all these huge, massive things that are going on that may have been facilitated by simply a head on a pike. The repercussions of the villain's deeds, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe the PCs are traveling to a city and there's... All the all the men, all the soldiers, all all the nobles are lining the streets, much like uh, Spartacus's army was on the Apian Way. You know, they're all mm-hmm. crucified there, just sending that message: "I am a villain." You yep. know, and and this is what happens when you oppose me. So there's not fear, but terror at this individual that like precedes him. Yeah, or terror or- in his wake. Yeah. Or, or her way. If it's, all, if it's all the men, and they, well, this this is proof positive. This is a matriarchal society. You know, but so. with all that said, I think um, their motives they need to be very clear. They do. Yeah, your your villain's motivation should be like their morality. Yep, should be crystal clear to the players or the PCs more specific. There's got to be some organization. Why is the baddie being bad? Well, it might be something as simple as an edict that's on the public poll, the public boards. This has happened because of this, and we're letting you know why, so don't do it again. It's literally spelled out Yep, on papers that are posted everywhere. So you can go that route. Or they hear it from the bards, and all the bards are singing the same or telling the same tale about this is what happened, this is why it happened, and make sure, you know, it's cautionary tales. So there's a couple different ways, or more than a couple. There's a bunch of ways you can throw it out there, but those are too fast and easy. Yeah, is it revenge? You know, I reveal that like in a backstory where maybe the PCs encounter someone who knew the villain. You know, was a former former mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what happened, and you, you now you have an NPC ally that your PCs can get attached to, and then a. You have to kill him later. The villain's got to kill him in a final oh, like yeah. mentor. Well, it might even not even necessarily be a mentor. It could be just chambermaid or a page or something who's always about, but is discarded is is basically furniture. You know, a servant. They're not they're not being paid attention to. They're just part of the machine that works. So they're not given that any kind of consideration about what's going on. But they see everything. Yep, they're absorbing everything. Yep. Much like if your sofa could speak. But then eventually. The big bad finds out where that leak is. Why why things why is information getting out there that isn't supposed to be out there? Why why are these details so crystal clear when I've made all these efforts to make sure everything is interpreted the way I want them interpreted? Well, this is also important because if you're not putting things out clearly for everybody, mm-hmm. the storyline may not make any sense either. Yeah, well, it could be misinterpreted. Yeah, exactly. So and they're if, heading off in a direction that they think they're supposed to be going, and it's completely wrong. Yep. So this is you know probably one of your more important things that you should have uh, right. because without direction, like we said, motives that are laid out, and if they keep changing from session to session, you know, for me, it would be kind of after and, a while. and I think that's a succession that we've already, mm-hmm. you know, they've seen other the deed consequences are both. And now they know why they've witnessed this or experienced this or been part of this. And then from there you move on to, okay, are they really that bad? Which takes us to our next point. Yep. Are they likable? Right. And we discussed this in, in the previous episode where likability is relatability. And that puts a lot of depth into your villain. The first villain that comes to mind that, 
I really like is the Joker, particularly how he was portrayed by Mark Hamill. Yeah. Yeah, the Joker's a sociopath. He's like the quintessential villain. That shit crazy. Yeah. And the way Mark Hamill portrayed him, he was like he was nuts, but he was likable. Yeah. You know, and there was no uh no question that he was he was dangerous. Not necessarily a, a villain, but there was an opponent that long way dueled in an acorn's journey. And we don't want to give too much mm. of it, but I felt like the party kind of liked him. Yeah, it was almost like between the villain and the and Longway and the group, they almost maybe spanned a bridge between the two of them. Yeah. So you know, it just it he he was very likable. Um, I had one big bad that was kind of a dandy, and he enjoyed the finer things in life, wine and everything like that, and wore a lot of silk, flowing silk, and was a little on the effeminate side. You know, he didn't like gross stuff. He was okay with murder, but just don't make it like really bloody because I don't really care much for that. And, and, and the, for God's sakes, don't do it in the kitchen. Yeah. And the PCs kind of liked him, even though he was a terrible person. I think enjoying the villain is important for the, the game and the story to move on. I think of like Jubal and Lewis may not have found him likable, but I, <laughs> I think, I think Jubal was a likable. He was very likable villain. No, he wasn't. He was an ass. <laughs> My player absolutely loved him. And vice versa. Because you weren't manhandled and beaten up daily by him. Well, I wasn't even human, so. True. <laughs> I was lovable. Beaten to a pulp a couple times. But they did not trust him. Nope. Uh, he wasn't a nice man. Nope. I'll say he did do things in favor for the party, but, but only because they favored him even yeah, more. Yeah, aligned with his, mm-hmm. his agenda his as well. Beliefs. Someday you guys may get to meet Jubal. I think yeah. it, would be, it would be nice. It's going to be a grand day. Someday soon. You know, that just brings us to, you know, our next point is that they should be more than just evil and more than one-dimensional because that's boring. It's that's, it's yeah. very boring. Yeah. I'm evil. That's why I'm the bad guy. Player characters should be able to understand why the villain is where, where they are. They may even sympathize with them, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, unless you're dealing with, you know, a Sauron kind of character or... Yeah you know, one of the princes of hell or whatever. And and they could be could be kind of interesting villains if you like really like build up a background. E- evil for the sake of evil, but they go about it methodically. So it isn't just random I'm just gonna kill them. I'm going yeah. to kill them in a specific way to to send a message. Or I'm gonna not to kill anybody, but I'm gonna their life absolutely miserable to make a point. And this entire town is going to be cursed in X in this particular way. It's gonna prove a point. And I'm gonna enjoy that curse because I'm evil. They're not because they're not, and you get to witness it, and there's nothing you can do about it. Strahd comes yeah. to mind when I think of this. The old background, yep. where he is more than just a one dimension. He is irredeemably evil, and he should always stay that way because that's what vampires are. I like when I have vampires in my game, they don't sparkle in the daylight. They don't have high cheekbones, and they're not pretty. But Strahd, even though he is irredeemably evil, he's got a compelling backstory. He's, got, he's a multi-dimensional being this is how he ended up the way he did and it's almost like a tragic story where you know it brings it around you can sympathize with him and put yourself in his shoes and be like i'd probably behave in that same fashion let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor you're a new dm who wants to jump behind the screen maybe you've been volunteered by your gaming group but aren't quite ready you've been watching people play games online or on podcasts and you're thinking to yourself where do they come up with all that descriptive narrative There's no way I can do that. Well, don't worry. We've got a solution for you. 
What if I were to tell you that I can put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk while you're prepping your game? Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there, and there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy, and pasteable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. Confidently read these narratives aloud in your campaign and impress noob and veteran gamer alike. And the best thing about it is, the library of narratives is constantly growing, and it's affordable. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks for free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to the show. Well, it might, the it might be interesting as part of your campaign is to start slowly peeling back the levels yeah, and 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 the the happenstances that have gone through his background. It's a great way to reveal the background too. Is this is where he is now? But what happened earlier, and then what happened before that? What happened before that? And especially a lot of your your a lot of your villains have been around for a while. Yep, uh, some of them cropped up pretty quick, but some of them have been around for a long while. They've been a villain forever. You don't inspire terror and maintain terror over a large region overnight. You know, even Vlad the Impaler. I, I mean, took several years of a war to build that up. And that was relatively quick. As they discover more and more, you're peeling back and it becomes more and more relatable where he's less of a monster, an evil monster, and more of a person or a persona that becomes even more and more relatable. Now the the moral quandary gets deeper and deeper for the characters and hopefully the players as well. Peeling back the layers of the onion. And that could be a whole campaign in and of itself because as they get closer and closer to the final to battle them, they may want to be less and less inclined to battle. Yeah, they may come up with different plans or schemes or whatever to nullify the villain. But maybe maybe redemption's there. And maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe redemption's there instead that, that wasn't obvious to the villain. And they may have to force it upon him. They may have to present it. It's being, I think the forcing upon it, you know, then... I mean, we did something similar to that with, with Lanier Nier, where, you know, Lanier was the villain. And at the very end was of that particular run, the first run, was, uh, was all of a sudden forgiven. But no one knew why. And it wasn't until the incarnation of the next trilogy at our long getaway that all these little Easter eggs kept popping up about Lanier Nier, about what she did to... On her path to uh, redemption. On her, on her path to redemption. And everyone's like, holy crap. And even the players just was, he was stunned. He was stunned. I, I, my character did what? And did what? And you know, So, yeah, the path to redemption might be a, another way to, to combat your villain. Don't you, just, you don't have to cut him down into pieces and, and burn his heart and send his head overseas to get rid of the big bad every time. There might yep. be another way. Not with our group. <laughs> but with your group, maybe. But that's because with our group, they're bloodthirsty. No, see, the DM makes a mistake. Uh, it's not a mistake. He lets us know that they are forced to be reckoned with and not to be trifled with. So when we go out, we go out hard. <laughs> we, are not, we, we, we are not a group to be trifled with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that could be it. You know, we, bring, we bring everything to bear, no quarter asked, no quarter given. Yeah, but at the same time, the DM is letting us know that, hey, this bad guy is not a force to be played with. Yeah. You're no. just going just gonna to suffer some deaths, and we already know that ahead of time. Well, we, we know the possibility yes. is there because we have killed key players 
more than once. Every year. You know what? Death at the hands of the big bad, I think, drives the That's story. Awesome. And yeah. Especially if you have players that are on board and understand that that is part of the storyline. Yes. Yeah. And that's, again, knowing your players, um, knowing which ones can can run with that story, because we just had that happen again. We did. Yep. It's impactful. When you look at it, it's like, what do do heroes do? They do heroic things, even if they're anti-heroes. Even if they know it's going to cost them their lives. Right. That's what makes a hero a hero. Even their death is heroic. Yes. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. Because we've witnessed that a few times as well. And we've got episodes on that, right? Yes, we do. Don't off your players on the shitter. <laughs> you know, give them, give them a big send-off. Watch, watch. That is a shitty way to go. Not watch. <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen to those episodes. Yes, watch our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Sit there and be bored out of your mind because nothing's happening on the screen. Um, yeah, I forget we're podcast and not a YouTube channel, uh, which is great because i have a face for radio so it's better this way it is trust me thanks lou <laughs> and you guys email us and say be nice to lou and this is the see he's gonna cut this part out be, everybody's gonna be like poor lou oh poor lou Such a, everybody's being mean to lou poor lou and i will edit this out yes too. i know you will i know you you're horrible they gotta be a badass in some way shape or form you got to let the players know that they're not playing. Don't sleep on this bad guy. No, no, well, and it's at every every stage. You've seen him either do the horrible thing or the consequences thereof. Every time this villain comes to the forefront, there should be another reinforcement of just how dangerous a meeting or a scenario with this individual will be. This is how I look at it. When we come up to to face our villains, I always treat it as we're fighting a 20th level dragon because that's how deadly it is. And that's how deadly the game should be. So that's where my mindset is at uh, because that's what you guys put on the table. So I'm like, oh, shit, I right. got to bring my A game. It's it's a dangerous lifestyle that yep. player characters lead. So death should be something that is constantly a couple paces behind them, just mm-hmm. waiting to catch up. And, and we're always, at least I am, I know I'm always, okay, is this the day I'm going to die? And... um I've luckily pulled through a couple times. I think every <sighs> every time, oddly enough, the most <laughs> reckless person at the table, he never dies. Ever. The most cautious, tactical <laughs> people at the table, fucking dead. The villains. Like, Do you remember Korok? Uh, you guys are probably thinking, well, Korok is a reckless player, and he's not. He just, he plays his characters to a T. Yep. Like he is, uh, his big thing. I, I it keeps me on my toes because it's it's all about immersion. So I can't break immersion because once he's in, he's in. There was this time they were on the island. The island was phasing out of existence in that plane, and Cork's character Iskander was being followed by Beholderkin, and he was slinking about on his hands and knees, or she was slinking slinking about on her hands and knees while the uh, Beholderkin was kind of taunting her, playing cat and mouse. Both Korok and Iskander were well aware of the, the inherent danger in, in that encounter. And it, and it blew up to be... Literally. And it literally blew It blew up to be an ep- epic encounter because here comes Higgardine with this plan to use an explosive on the thing, and he jumps jumps at it and lands this flaming explosive in its mouth and holds its mouth, for lack of a better term, because of all this giant beach ball with wiggly eye stock things. And Iskander's almost out 
you, you know, she's been she's been wounded. Graven's trying to get, put together this this get this machine running so that they can escape at, at a high rate of speed. And just then, Cal, their barbarian, after like holding off these terracotta warriors, come comes bursting onto the scene. Great axe at the ready to help his buddy Higgardine in the battle, and the thing blows up, sending Higgardine across this like ruined temple, seemingly dead. Blows Cal right back out the entrance he came in. It was a very tense, probably like hour and a half, because you know how combat goes in D and D. Yeah, it's like yeah. people were rolling their dice and you know watching them really like closely and 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 trying to find trying to find points. You know, it's like scraping together a few more bucks at the grocery store. <laughs> you know, did I hit? You know, this is really bad. People are trying to be stabilized. Iskander's almost at death's door. Higgardine is there. Cal's wounded, bleeding from multiple wounds. Uh, I think Graven, Graven even was in bad shape, and and he was the one yep. trying to cobble together some working mechanical steam powered sled thing to to send them all down the mountain, which caused further damage while the thing was like phasing out of existence. So it doesn't have to be the big bad, right? It could be yep. the bad guy in the moment, right? But let them know they're a force to be reckoned with, right from giddy up. And that's Scum and Villainy, introducing your villain. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.